What Do You Do Podcast with Matt and Al. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. And guess who's back? Al! How's it going? Hey, Matt, thanks. It was a great vacation. Yeah? Brady Bunch family and I had a wonderful time. That's great. You um, you missed uh, last week with Mim. Actually, I I heard it, um, and it was a great conversation with Mim. I you guys really, really, as usual, had some really insightful thoughts, and and Mim always came through with uh, some awesome life experience, and really, I think, added value to to our listeners. So this all goes to our whole health and wellness uh, month or whatever two months that we're doing here and she was talking about breathing and whatnot now next week we're gonna have in front of our sylvie who's a life coach and also knows a lot about dietitian to keep your body health healthy but today we have tiffany morris founder creator of tk preserves who knows a lot about eating healthy how do i know this because she's my wife Hey, Tiffany. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks. So why don't you start off, uh, I was just telling us about TK Preserves, how you started all that up. Uh, okay. So I started the company just over five years ago. Uh, I'm a chef and I wanted to have a little business of my own um, that I could kind of run by myself without too many inputs and outputs. So pickles and jams was something that I could manage. And so I started doing that and selling them at farmer's markets and a few small boutique kind of stores. And the business has just grown organically over the time. And yeah, it's worked out really nicely. What kind of, what kind of stuff are you preserving? So uh, everything is uh, organic as much as possible, but um, fruit, jams, uh, made the traditional way. So no added pectin. Uh, low sugar, high fruit content. I use organic cane sugar instead of refined white sugar. So a little bit healthier for you, really fruit forward tasting. And then pickles. Um, but when I say pickles, I mean all vegetables, not just cucumbers. So basically, if it can go in a jar, I pickle it. And refined sugar, what, what's wrong with refined sugar? Uh, so processing always um, is problematic for our bodies. So the less processed our food is, the more natural state um, that we consume it, the better it is for us. So, I mean, we all know that sugar is a problem and that we have way too much sugar in our diet, um, but it's pretty hard to make jam without sugar. So uh, the option for me was to use organic cane sugar. So less processed, it's not white, it's not bleached. So at least that's one... um, one extra step that is removed. So again, it's not, it's sugar, but at least it's a little bit of a better form of sugar. And, it, and where, so where do you find your product? Like you just go pick it in the garden? Or? Uh, like the product I use for... To, to pickle. Yes. I mean, I grow some of the stuff. I buy from all from local farmers. Uh, again, trying to stick with organic whenever possible. Um, and yeah, just everything is local. So I use the, just what's available in the season. And then once the season's over, we have to wait till next year. And we, we find this stuff in the stores? Uh, I have a few stores. So I sell out of Pocone Fine Food in Dundas, which is a fantastic independent grocery store. One of the few independent grocery stores still left uh, going. And I do buy some of my produce from them as well. They have great stuff. And then um, I have uh, some, you know, bigger producers as far as like the sugar jar, jars, all that kind of stuff I get from uh, bigger companies. Interesting. Um Okay, so I, I know her very well, clearly, and I know her whole um, 
psychopathic take on how good things have to be <laughs> and organic. If I, we're going to talk psycho, I, 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 you're, yeah, you're yeah. the most qualified yeah, person. That's interesting. Talk, like, uh, hey, hey, hey. Interesting interpretation, but fine. <laughs> okay, so I came home once, Al, and I bought white bread. Oh, I'm Man, sure that didn't go over well with yeah, Tiffany. It did not go over well at all. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? You asked me to get bread. Here's the bread. Explain why I screwed that up, babe. Okay, well, I mean, it's a. it can be a pretty in-depth conversation and there's lots of different schools of thought on it but when it comes especially to bread um, stuff that you find at the grocery store most of that stuff has just been really processed the flour is super refined it's bleached it's dead um, so it sits on a shelf for a long long time Uh, you could even put the argument out there that it's almost rancid when it gets used and again we're the term it's not like it's bad it's just there's nothing living left in it um, yeah. whereas no, when, nothing healthy, is nothing right. healthy, like everything good has been stripped away. And then what they tend to do is re like we in Canada, we add things back into it. So they process it at high heat and with chemicals and then take all the nutrition away and then put the nutrition back in, which again, there's different schools, but we know food that has, it's just like the orange juice, right? They take the orange juice, they pasteurize it, take out everything good. And then they add the stuff back in that they killed with the high heat. So our bodies know that and they treat it differently. So it's just harder on our bodies. I think that's a lot of the reason why we have problem with gluten intolerance, why we're having a lot of issues with allergies. Um, and again, there's a lot of different inputs. So there's not like there's one, like just stop eating white bread is not going to solve your problems. But the less refined stuff, the less produced, uh, produced things that you eat, meaning like bought in a box with lots of ingredients, um, it's just easier on your system, easier on your digestion. You're going to uh, get more nutrition from what you put in your body and just make it easier for your body to process everything and then get rid of the stuff that's no good. And that would also mean that there's less stuff that's no good coming out of your body, which I think everyone can appreciate. Yeah. And so do you think it's the mass production now? Because, you know, I can't eat chicken anymore. Right. And I, I eat that my whole life. Um, uh, yeah. And again, I'm, a, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor. Um, but for sure, uh, the scale of some of these uh, production houses is just like, it's so crazy, like almost obscene. And it's just, you can't, when you do things on a scale that large, it just, the process of mechanation is such that you can't, it, everything has to be like sanitized and, you know, and not to say you don't want to have sanitized we need hygiene and we need all those things. Of course, it's really important, but when you're mass producing something, it's a very different product than when you're doing it a small batch. So even like my jam, for example, my jam does not taste like the jam that you buy in the grocery store. My pickles don't taste like the pickles that you get in the grocery store. And they don't look like them because I cut everything by hand. I'm doing everything. I'm making all the brines specific to each batch. Everything is made small. So um, just like on the same vein as like wineries or craft breweries, um, the terroir, like how where the the food was grown, it, it impacts the product, impacts the taste of the product. That this year we had a late growing season. The strawberries are super fantastic, but they're really small, but they taste delicious. So that the jams that were made from this year's strawberries might not taste exactly like the jams that were made from last year's strawberries, because 
because of what I just outlined. However, if you're talking to Edie Smith or Smuckers or one of those big companies, they want the jam to taste exactly the same every single time. So there's lots more inputs going in and chemical um, analysis happening to make sure that every jar of jam you get tastes exactly like the last one and the consistency is exactly the same. And that's not what I'm doing at all. I think that's the big problem with the way we've created our, our supply chain for food um, nowadays is to that point, everything is structured, it's consistent, you have the same expectation as like... Yeah, but how else to- do you feed people on a mass scale? Well, I mean, that's a, a kind of a different argument and there's a lot, again, that we could kind of dive down into rabbit holes about that. But for sure, yeah, and we're not talking, like, I'm not going to feed mass amounts of people with the stuff that I produce. It's small, it's a small, um, small situation, but there's still better options. Like we, we, we've, unfortunately we've been, I mean, and it goes back to sort of like the sixties and, um, uh, industrialization and, uh, you know, women leaving the home and going out into the workforce and the idea that modern was, uh, packaged and, uh, not work, like you wouldn't do as much work or the idea was that you would be doing less work. Um, because that sort of traditional way, of living where people sort of grew their own vegetables and, and did a lot of preserving themselves, even for me. Like I, the reason I even had the idea to do this company was because of my Nona. So my mom's side of her Italian and uh, she always, I mean, all summer she grew food in her garden and then she put it up into jars and, and cooked everything and made everything from scratch. She, she didn't buy things from the store except for bread and a few canned goods but most of the food that she was making she was making from scratch again I mean we can there's a lot of ways to talk about it but I think that old sort of way of doing things which takes longer and is is more labor intensive um, but it's just it's really better for us in the long run would you would you think like that that's because of this long time preserve type stuff is the reason we have things like peanut allergies out of crazy control now and nobody can eat gluten anymore. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that. Earlier, yeah, again, actually. I don't, I can say what I think. Um, and I do think it is tied in. Um, and I do think it's the ultra refined flours that are causing problems because if you talk to people who travel to Italy, which obviously you eat carbs all the time and it's pizza and pasta and bread, they don't have the same issue issues and I know even from my own personal experience which again you can't extrapolate to the masses from your own experience but this is what happens to me um, if I had to buy cheap pasta from the store like just hard you know ready to cook pasta it reacts differently than if I buy a really high quality more expensive traditionally made Italian dry pasta so again I don't know this you know, I can't break it down scientifically to tell you what the ingredients are or what, what even, and I don't think anyone really knows what part of the process is that um, makes it more problematic for us. But I think, again, if you're, you know, the more, the cheaper that we do things, the bigger that we do things, the more inputs that go in, it's just, it's not really in our best interest at the end of the day. I well, suppose. if you look at, the marketplace nowadays is you can literally walk into a place like McDonald's and buy a meal for eight to ten dollars, whereas you try and buy healthy whole oh, foods yeah. in the supermarket, or even better. And this is really, and I want to tie it back to your to TK Preserves here because what I really find fantastic about being a consumer of your product is that um, it's all local grown mm-hmm. stuff as right? much as possible yeah exactly. for sure like, i mean obviously the sugar isn't local but and, and your sourcing of of all your ingredients is all 
handpicked and everything like that. So the way I always um, associate your business is it's it's like a craft beer company, yeah. right? It's yeah. very handcrafted specific. One batch one year will not taste the same as the one next year. And that's what makes your products very unique. Right, right. Yeah, and it's a different way of thinking um, and looking at things for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and, and yeah, and I mean, we, to, to back it up to the whole McDonald's thing, yeah, it's like, you know, we've had, it's funny because I think in other uh, like avenues of our lives, we value things that have value. So like, you know, you have a nice car, you spend a lot of money on your car, or you spend a lot of money on your vacation, or maybe you spend a lot of money on your clothes or your shoes. And all those things are prestige. But when it comes to food, it's like you want the cheapest thing and you want it bundled and you know convenient, it's convenient fast. and the again and again right if you're getting a tomato that was grown in let's say mexico or california those tomatoes aren't grown for flavor they're grown to be shelf stable and to to survive to be to ripen after they've or maybe not even ripen to look like they're ripe when they're picked to sit on a truck to be gassed to keep freshness to be less likely to bruise to be you know to have to have a look the look is more important than the taste and i find that really crazy that we you know we should be eating for the taste not not for the looks or you know people even i mean i see it even in farmers markets they want all the fruit to be perfect they want everything to be perfect you know society has conditioned them yeah to to think that that's better and really i'm like if you were to taste it i bet you the apple with the blemish or the peach with the you know like it's that that's actually the better product but we're conditioned to think that that yeah that's the lesser one i do think it's cool that the grocery stores now have have some ugly produce mm-hmm. for like a bit of a discounted price and i think that's amazing because if you taste that stuff it doesn't it doesn't taste it tastes just like the other stuff yeah. <laughs> so yeah i mean for sure presentation is important i mean you don't need to buy rotten you know, things Mm -hmm. or things with bugs in them. But at the same time, this whole idea that like everything has to be pristine and like we, I know I always think when, like when people are like, Oh, there was a, like a a bug in my lettuce or there was, I'm like, well, that's actually a good thing because it means a, that there wasn't so much pesticide on it because hi everyone, pesticide is poison for us too, that the bug was able to live. And if the bug wants to eat it, you probably want to eat it too, which, you know, it can make people squeamish, I suppose. But I mean, really we've got, I think, unfortunately, I think it's come back around. Like for sure the trend is, you know, lots of younger people are kind of, well, not lots. There are people that are getting back into small scale farming. And I think there's a bit of a, you know, a trend there. And I think it's great um, because it is, it's, it, it's really, really hard work. It's super hard work. You, it never stops. There's so many things, so many factors. Mother nature is not always on our side. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot and it's really, it's really difficult. So I salute all those people that are trying to make a go of it. And I always want to support them. Um, and I think it's really important. And if you take, I'm sorry, because there's lots of people too that say organic isn't more nutritious, um, than conventional, but I, I would disagree with that because how, if it's our system is it's as a whole, it's a system. So if I'm putting pesticides and fertilizers into the ground, which is poisonous, which goes into the water, which, you know, hurts the birds and the bees and all the animals that do the pollinating for us all the creatures out there that help the system go along, all the microorganisms that are in the ground, then that, of course that food is more nutritional. Even if it's not nutri- more nutritional, like if you just do an analysis on the, say we'll say apple, for example, on the apple itself, but on the system that is growing the apple, it is a better system. And then that is better for us in the long run. 
It's funny. Uh, we last night and just going to this whole you know growing stuff. We were watching uh, this uh, whistleblower in the states. Right, he's a scientist for climate change, and he said with the amount of carbon in the atmosphere now, it's actually denutritionizing. Yeah, yeah, which is also pretty crazy. And, and so, that yeah, Trump held this all over, and but supposedly, like the rice, yeah, soya rice, or yeah, like, they've shown um, it does have an impact on the nutrition of food. So uh, again, it goes back to what I was explaining, which I always find interesting when people make that argument about organic versus conventional. Um, we know uh, that if the proper inputs, it, when the inputs change, when the temperature rises. I mean, we can even see it with what's going on locally here. Our growing seasons changed. Our summers have changed. Um, it does have an impact. And again, if you're growing something and when you're doing a monoculture kind of grow, it's going to one little thing changing can ruin your entire crop. So, I mean, it, what he was saying was a little more. Uh, maybe on a smaller scale, but we know we know it happens in the oceans too. We know that the fish, are, like a fish that we eat now, don't have as much nutrition as they used to. I mean, we know it for farm animals. When depending on what they're fed, how they're raised, it has an impact on um, the nutritional value for us. So, I mean, we we really have to start considering things more on a system basis instead of like as a like. Um, isolating one element of something and saying, okay, well, I want my tomato to be juicy. Well, you know, if you're going to make a juicy tomato, then what's going to happen? Like there's other things just like, you know, like any kind of genetics, when you take one thing or add one thing or subtract one thing, it doesn't, it's not like you just isolate one thing and that's it. It has a ripple effect and we don't really know all those ripples. We're still, we're still trying to figure it out. So when, when we talk about um, the bigger picture, like the whole, the whole industrial agro farming industry and, and the impact on the environment, I think it ties back into the impact on our health. You know, you, cancers did not exist as much when we were in a more micro farming, healthier, organic type environment. Now that we've industrialized our food supply, we've removed the nutrients out of it. The GMO products yeah, are, GMO you, know, or, is, you know, there's all kinds of GMO. So it's genetically, genetically modified, modified organisms. Yeah. So that, again, that's a, I mean, that's a really, it's sort of contentious because people. Like test tube? No, it's no, more no, no. like it's introducing tomatoes a Tomatoes are specifically yeah, engineered introducing to something look a specific from way. outside. Yeah, yeah. Like they would take a, a gene from something that's maybe not a plant, like maybe it's from a fish or from something else and insert it in to get some sort of trait that they're looking for. Yeah. Um, but we don't really know, and this is again, like we have the two kind of schools, like people, because obviously we do have a, a food. We've been doing it naturally well, as farmers, but that's for also years, very right? different. No, it's but that's the thing. I'm like, that's a, I don't like that argument because that doing if you grafting, like yeah, for example, grafting is different, grafting, or right? even that's like my to, my stuff in the garden, about. it cross pollinates. So you could have say green zucchini and yellow zucchini growing side by side, and they're going to cross pollinate each other, mm -hmm. or purple basil and green basil. Like things cross pollinate, that happens naturally. Yeah. But you, it's different when you're inserting something that never existed 100%. within the plant yeah. into the plant. Like I, taking a, a gene from a fish, inserting it into a gene of a tomato yeah. to make it more more whatever, whatever exactly, which is not right. 
and because now and, you're your engineering life right and uh, the and the other thing is too like and i can't think of the woman's name but uh, she's an indian woman and she's done a lot about uh biodiversity and food security and uh, when they introduced the yellow rice which is a gmo uh, rice crop to help with the whole uh food crisis that's going on in other countries not so much here but other countries where they don't have enough food for their people and it did introduce all these problems that no one sort of anticipated and the other problem is is that these massive multinational corporations like Monsanto are the ones behind these um, new seed developments and those seeds um, they're called terminal seeds so they don't um, once you plant them it won't the seeds that are produced aren't, can't make a new plant. So you constantly have to buy their their seeds. And then when those seeds cross-pollinate with other seeds that are existing already, like say I have organic corn growing and then my neighbor has Monsanto corn growing, now Monsanto is going to show up in my corn. Because they cross-pollinate. Then, and then they have the right to seize your crop. Like there's all kind. like it gets super crazy. Yeah, the and right like, to seize your crop? Yeah, yeah and very nefarious. And IP. also you will lose your organic certification because your stuff now is no longer organic. So like there's that's what I mean. Like there, it's so, it's very tangled and it gets really hard to even have a discussion about it because there's so many different parts of the argument that you have to or you may not have even thought of like it just gets really really crazy and of course you know we want to make sure that people have enough food to eat and and farmers can make a living and grow crops and earn money and all of those things that are very very important but it gets like really complicated really well, you quickly can draw very very parallel arguments like you can say with the pharmaceutical industry that yeah. they're not creating uh healthier people but they're creating customers right? yeah totally so the same thing with the yep. monsanto argument is mm-hmm. that they're making farmers dependent on, on their products absolutely. to create a, a a repeat customer same idea why automobiles don't last 10 15 yep. years anymore because it's better to have a car that will right. break down in five years and you have to buy another yep. one like everything that we've created yeah we've created a disposable society well and i mean mm. we can take that one step further too right we can i mean it's bananas no pun intended that you go to the store and buy something organic and then it's wrapped in plastic and then where's that plastic going right we we know we can't even recycle it anymore and even when we were recycling it i don't even think we were but so you know uh, like it gets of, you of you just kind of yeah 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 you kind of want to throw your hands up and just like bury your head in the ground this um, is all just for show like really is it, whole foods, I think is, really is, the whole foods or goodness the me there. or whatever the Heck, that place is. Aren't they just raping the customers? Are things really that expensive? Well, I wouldn't think I would use that term, but um, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know it, how expensive what they're buying, what they're selling are. I think it, it is we interesting for. I can speak lo- like locally here. Um, the stores that tend to be uh, more organic aren't selling local stuff. So, and again, it goes back to what Al was saying about the food systems, because um, generally speaking. Uh, I mean, the big grocery stores are their own sort of uh, food distributors, but you would generally get your uh, produce from a food distributor. Um, so you, they go to the terminal and they or they have the accounts, and they pick all the stuff up for you. And it's easier to just buy in American organic because that's all part of the same like distribution system, whereas we don't necessarily have that here, or the farmers aren't interested in selling to the grocery stores because 
that's super problematic too because they uh, order way in advance and you never know what's going to happen and the grocery store can just cancel their order. So now all of a sudden you have a field of cauliflower that you have nowhere to put it. Um, so yeah, our systems are set up in a very bizarre and large, large uh, scale way that it makes it super tough. It makes it tough for the farmers to earn a living. It makes it tough for the con- consumer to get... I mean, I think a lot of people, if you just went up to them on the street and said, would you buy local? They'll say, of course, I, I'd rather buy local. Um, and then, I mean, for us too, right? Obviously, we can buy local for some parts of the year, but we can't eat local in the winter. So we need we need imports coming in. Um, so yeah, again, like it's just, it's really complicated and it's really tangly it and, and it's pretty it just controversial. Like, it just seems like they're making eating healthy for the rich. Well, and that's another argument, right? That that a lot of people think it's elitist and that organics are just for like, you know, people soccer moms it, and yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I, I bristle at that kind of uh, argument, even though I do understand where it's coming from, because if you, you know, had two peaches and one's, a dollar twenty nine, well, and the other one costs fifty cents. Well, you're going to go for the one I, for fifty I cents. Like, LA, I get there it. was a joke. Like, if to survive the zombie apocalypse in L.A., what do you do? Not sure. What would you do? Cover yourself in gluten. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and okay, yeah. and we can go on the whole. The, 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 the funny I had thing. To think about it for a sec. The funny thing, even about the gluten thing, is I mean. I can't remember the percentage of the population that's actually truly celiac, but it's very, very small. So some of it is trendy. It's trendy. And it's also, I mean, you, everyone knows their own body and I'm not trying to dismiss someone that I I know I have reactions to certain things. However, the marketing of gluten-free is if you look at a lot of the, again, super processed stuff. And if you look at the ingredients, it's all <laughs> like, it's just as bad. Like it's a white tapioca flour, it's corn starch. It's, um, it's all really, really processed stuff. So even you, again, under the illusion that you're eating healthier, a snack is a snack, a treat is a treat. People just need to come to terms with that. And if you want to have something as a little, you know, whatever, then have it. But don't fool yourself into thinking that because it's gluten-free, like it's better for you. It's not necessarily better, unless you're celiac, in which case don't eat gluten, obviously. Well, I, I think a lot of people, what, when, when they eat a specific way, it's either because it's trendy or because it's real. Right. Um, so, you know, you have both sides of it. But unfortunately, I think what we've seen in marketing with you slap a label on uh, of organic on it or gluten free on it, and automatically it's double the price. Yeah, well, and I mean, I noticed like artisanal because again, like maybe when I first started the company, or everything like everyone was saying artisanal, artisanal, yeah. and it was becoming this trend. And then you start seeing it pop up. I bought a T-shirt that said artisanal. I'm like, I don't even understand how a T-shirt can be artisanal. Like, what does that have to do with it? It's still mass produced. It was still, you know what I mean? So again, yeah, marketing gets a hold of things. And I mean, it's the same with uh, vegan. People ask me all the time if my stuff is vegan well yeah it's just fruits and vegetables of course it's vegan you know but it's like i have to slap that label on it otherwise well i i what i align that to is really it's people are headline readers right yeah they don't dig deeper than the surface they scratch the surface and say oh vegan i think it means this but hey i'm all for that and you know but you didn't even read the article about what they were talking about what vegan was or this or that so what i find is the majority of the population are basically headline readers so they jump on the bandwagon of whatever is popular at the time Mm -hmm. so but thankfully and, and it's kind of circling back things to the conversation about the whole shop local is 
That is real, though. That isn't a bandwagon because there is a true effect in our communities. There is, but and here's the crazy thing, because again, I'm totally for that and I believe in it and I try to do that every day in my life, not just in my business, but for my everyday living. Um, but there's also arguments against that because it's not efficient. If I'm getting in my car and driving my car to the store and then or to the farmer's market or whatever it is um, and getting my things, that's not that's not efficient. I guess really if we were to kind of round up today's conversation is is really focus on the fact that watch what you eat, be mindful of, you know, where the food is coming from and, and just try and understand, uh, you know, how, how that impacts your body. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. She made a good point where, you know, people don't really think about what they put in their body, but they will think about. The How, gasoline what comes in, in, in their well, car. Oh my gosh, that one makes me laugh so much. So yeah, you don't want to pay a couple extra cents a gas, or you'll drive extra to save a few cents on gas. Like it's just again, we have we like we create these weird like idiosyncrasies within our own lives that are nonsense. Um, but so once again, there, uh, Tiffany Morris, <laughs> if that is your real name, <laughs> I'll never tell. Uh, I don't know. TK Preserves. Where can we find you uh, via, you know, social media? Uh, okay, well, you can find me at tkpreserves at gmail.com. And I'm on Instagram, tkpreserves. And I'm also on Facebook, tkpreserves. And we can Easy. find your products at Pecones. At Pecones and Dundas. And then I will be um, at some um, Christmas markets. And I'll post everything on social media. Um, I did take the summer off of my summer farmer's markets. I just needed a break. So yeah, everything will be back in full swing for Christmas. Can't wait. Looking forward to some Christmas preserves, actually. (laughs) Thank you. Well, great. Tiffany, it was great having you here, even though you live here. (laughs) Oh, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. (laughs) Yeah, you got to go to work. Speaking of food. Yeah. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Jam Production Company, its affiliates, and or its partners.